Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Well, as always, thank you for those of us for those of you who are listening, and as always, thank you, Jim, for this conversation we're about to have. We talked recently about the results of a Pew Research study that showed that fewer and fewer people are married by the age of 40. Marriage in general is being seen as an outdated institution, an unnecessary institution, particularly among younger generations. But today's conversation is going to focus on a rise of a group of people who would very much disagree with modern ideas about marriage. And I'm not talking about your grandmas or your grandpas. I'm talking about trad wives. Jim, can you explain to our listeners what a trad wife is? Yeah, this is a phrase that may be new to some people because it's fairly new on the cultural scene, at least described that way. If someone says, what's a trad wife? <laughs> I wanted to say the short answer is think 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um there was a USA Today article that described them as having perfectly coiffed hair, a pinup dress, a gorgeous home-cooked meal on a decadent dining room table. Uh, known as trad wives, which is uh, short for traditional wives, uh, they're typically Christian. They're typically conservative. Kind of a reaction to, in their minds, uh, certain aspects of feminism. Uh, most trad wives are homemakers who prioritize cooking cleaning and being subservient to men and specifically their husband. The platform that has given uh, the entire idea a rise has been TikTok uh, to the tune of nearly um, 200 million views last I looked. And uh, you started seeing the size of um, this rise on social media really kind of really kind of come onto the scene around 2018. Uh, But it was in the 2020s and particularly now that it's peaking. Hmm. Who's attracted to the trad wife movement? Like, are there any common characteristics they share? Well, you know, it, it's it, I, I can only just give you observation. I mean, if you look at some of the reels on TikTok and, and some of the things, I mean, it's they seem to be, again, Christian conservatives uh, reacting to what they would say is feminism gone too far. Some of them actually are doing this in the name of feminism, which is another, you know, like, hey, I'm free to. Don't tell me how to be a woman. You know, I can be a woman like this. And so it's interesting how even feminists are divided on trad wise. Some of them are saying women don't need to be critiquing women. If that's what they want to do, then, you know, then all more power to them. If that's how they want to embody their their sense of being a woman. But they also tend to enjoy the role of homemaker. And uh, they like being needed. You know, some of them will say it's not really about submission for me, but I, I like serving my husband. I like the fact that he depends on me. Um, but the heart of it all is the attraction to traditional values of the past and specifically a traditional view, what they perceive to be a traditional view of wives as mothers and homemakers. So while they are actually fairly diverse demographically and even ideologically, uh, what they have in common is this 1950s era American culture, uh, Christian religious values and conservative politics. And when you first look at these reels and you see someone who's living in 2023 dressed like someone off the 1950s I Love Lucy show, it's a little, you know, you, you wonder what kind of a game this is. And, and, and but it, I mean, it really is 
I mean, for some of them, I do think it's an angle for TikTok followers and to just as a platform that's unique about going, giving homemaking tips and building a, a social media following base. But uh, for many, it's just a, a pretty genuine throwback. Hmm. There have been a number of trad wives who have volunteered for interviews, you know, about their lifestyle. So I wanted to read a little bit about a 25-year-old trad wife. She's probably like the most known. Her name is Este Williams. And she, this is from an interview that she did with Today.com. But the article reads, every morning, Este Williams slips on a vintage dress, styles her platinum blonde hair, and applies makeup for a long day of cooking and cleaning. As a 25-year-old wife, Williams believes in submitting to and serving her husband as a traditional homemaker. Although she's responsible for cooking and cleaning their Virginia home, Williams doesn't venture outside, not to the gym, to buy cleaning supplies, or to meet a girlfriend for coffee without calling her electrician husband, Connor, to ask for permission, nor does she leave the house after dark alone. Okay, first of all, I think it's worth mentioning that there are not all trad wives are the same, okay? So there's a spectrum here. But they do have a few common denominators, as you mentioned, cooking, cleaning, subservience to men. I'm going to chase that more in a second. But first, we have to talk about the connection with the 1950s style. Like, can a wife in yoga pants and an oversized T-shirt do the same exact thing? <laughs> Many do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. I mean, I think it's part of just – I think it's part of returning – to it. I mean, there's so much about our world right now and our culture that is leaving people dazed and confused. And one of the ways to react to culture is to just pull out, pull out, isolate, separate. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll create my own bubble and, 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 and have a retreat mentality. And there is a little bit of that feel to this. You know, I'm retreating from the world. I'm going to pull back to a different era and I'll live that way. And it's not just trad wives. I mean, and again, I'm not putting any of this down. I'm just saying that there is this, this pullout. You, there, I mean, you probably have heard of people who go homesteading now. Mm-hmm. And so they create their own uh, place where they want to go back to a simpler day and time where they're more, you know, COVID scared a lot of people. I want to be self-sufficient. I want to raise my own food and stuff. And I want to have that kind of family life. And that was a simpler time. So there's a lot of things about about wanting to go back and, and, and not live in this crazy world and with all the things that are going on. So I get it. I get it. Um, so I, I do think it is an immersion into a bygone area, uh, era where there was different norms and different values. And, um, and, and so I think that it's, it goes beyond clothing and hairstyle. I mean, it could be yoga pants and a baggy shirt, but I do think it is still a, a, a pullback, um, from culture, which, which again, uh, whether that, I mean, get into the conversation, whether or not that's the best way to do it. Sure. Um, I do think you see a lot of it happening. Yeah. I mean, my husband and I raised chickens. I don't really know. I mean, I get it, but, uh, but I think I'm curious about the 1950s connection because trad wives are often criticized for, you know, romanticizing a lifestyle that was actually forced upon a lot of women. That while on the outside, you know, many of those wives and mothers, sure, they radiated smiles and glamour, but inside they were extremely unhappy. Some of them, right? And in their defense, though, a trad wife would say that 
that's the difference is that they're choosing this lifestyle. Like no one is forcing them to do this or to do anything that they don't want to do. And I think that's an important part of this movement. And we live in an era in which freedom and choice are of course of, of the utmost importance. And so this feels to me like a response to some expressions of the feminist movement that sometimes overtly, other times more subtly, put down stay-at-home moms and traditional values um, or views of marriage as somewhat beneath women or always enforced upon them. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'm curious as to what you think about it, (laughs) because throughout this whole podcast, I've been thinking, I don't need to be the one fielding answers to this. I, I was very much interested in how you uh, uh, would be engaging on this. I mean, let me uh, tell our listeners what you only know too well. I mean, you're a blend of so many things. Uh, you're a married, uh, you're married and you're a mother of four. Um, you also homeschool your children. Uh, you're also on staff of what is known as a mega church, uh, serving as a full-time pastor and director of its discipleship ministry, the Mech Institute. Um, and you write and teach many of the classes. You're a full-time graduate student pursuing theological studies, wrapping up your master's degree. Um, and I get tired just thinking about it all. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so how do you think about what's going on in light of being a woman who seems to have your, who, again, this may not be the right way to characterize you, but one foot in what some would call a trad life and one foot very much not. Oh, okay. Well, and I'm going to sit, sit back in <laughs> the hot seat and have a follow-up question or two. <laughs> I feel really comfortable just listening to you every week, answer questions. Um, so anyways, but yeah, I'll give this a stab, I guess. Um, so I would say that, yeah, I wouldn't have categorized myself as either a trad wife or a feminist, but Maybe that's kind of part of my response, because I think on one hand, I certainly celebrate, you know, the ways in which new opportunities have been open to women in ways that that honor their giftedness, their intelligence, the importance of their voices, their incredible value to God. And as you mentioned, I'm taking full advantage of some of those opportunities. I've you know, accepted a call to pastoral ministry. As you mentioned, I'm pursuing higher education in areas that still a lot of women are discouraged from pursuing. And yet... I do find immense purpose and beauty in what might be considered traditional women's roles. I mean, raising children, running a household, as you mentioned, homeschooling. While traditional, I'll point out, like, they are certainly not tasks for the faint of heart. Like these, I would say that these roles magnify in their own way the same things I just mentioned, you know, intelligence and giftedness, value, and so on. Um, I think I would add, because the, the relationship to husbands is a part of this as well, that I mean, I will certain. I certainly believe in a biblical view of mutual respect and submission, but one in which, you no, know, I let my husband make the final call on many decisions. I, I can't get behind the notion of asking permission to leave the house. Um, that takes it a little bit too far, in my opinion. But I can certainly get beyond deferring to the person that I love as a demonstration of the submission required in the Christ life. I think what I fear is that. 
just as the 1950s trad wife was unfairly glamorized to kind of fit the cultural narrative of the day, particularly written by, I would say, people in positions of power, I think that a new feminist narrative is being written too hastily in response that glamorizes the career woman as the more accurate embodiment of womanhood. And so I see the trad woman, I mean, quite fairly as a response by many wives and and mothers who are saying, okay, wait a second. I really do find meaning and significance in being a stay-at-home mom and, and running my household well and serving my husband. I mean, I think that point is valid. All throughout the Bible, you're going to see the Christ life characterized not by those who live in the spotlight, but those who humbly and lovingly serve in what I would say are the supporting roles of life. I just think I'd probably locate myself somewhere in the middle of the trad and feminist viewpoints. I don't think that I am motivated just by the allure of being able to do something new. Um, But I do think instead I find dignity and God's purpose for women embodied in an entire spectrum of roles. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Oh, it's a lovely answer. It's a lovely answer. And I I totally, I mean, I see that in you as, as, as someone close to you. And also, I, I I totally uphold that vision. I think that you're right, and I wish there was there was there was more uh, uh, people articulating it as well as you just did. Which is how there there is there is such a sense where if a woman does choose this bracket trad wife 1950 stuff off for a minute, just chooses to devote themselves to um, raising children or homeschooling or 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 you know that. I mean, as if that's uh, like a, a lessening of themselves mm-hmm. or, or a loss of dignity or they, they didn't really do with their lives what they could have done or should have done. And and people who say, I'm so glad that I didn't have children because it, I would not have been who I am. I wouldn't be able to do all these things. And as if somehow having children is 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 a, is, is not a significant thing or raising them. And I and I just I so reject that. Mm-hmm. I, I just know so many just absolutely brilliant women, remarkable women, uh, highly educated women. Who find uh, and rightfully so enormous significance and meaning and in raising up uh, children and investing in them and unleashing them in the world at the same time making a difference with their own life. I think that's, I think it's a powerful thing. Absolutely. So um, so yeah yeah I'm glad I'm glad I I'm glad I turned that around on you. I couldn't have even come close to that answer. So thank you. So well done. And um, okay. Good. I might do that again before we're over. <laughs> I'm turning things back on you now. So, oh, yes. Okay. I want to hone in on the submission part for a second of this movement because you've talked about this on previous episodes, but I feel like we just have to talk about it now in this context. So, in, in William's own words, so yeah, I'm quoting from her again. She said, I put my husband's wants ahead of my own, and this has done nothing but benefit myself in my marriage. So she adds that she sees her and her husband as equals, just with different roles. Now, I've heard that terminology before. That sounds a lot like complementarianism. So is that what trad wives are promoting, or do you see it as something different? Yeah, let's tease that out maybe a little bit. I think we need to separate the complementarian, egalitarian debate uh, from the meaning of the idea of submission in marriage at least as it's commonly being talked about now. Most of the conversation today about whether you are a complementarian or an egalitarian has to do with women in ministry. The egalitarian view, uh, uh, which wants to see in one form or another equality, no distinctions, a level playing field, 
and the complementarian view, which sees women as equal in God's sight as his children, but with differing roles. And as this played, played out in the church, usually it means women can't be, you know, egalitarian, women can do anything, fill any role. Complementarian, it's usually, well, not pastors, or at least not a senior pastor or something of that. And But anyway, it sees out a whole bunch of way, all kinds of shades in between those two views. Um, and we've talked about that. We, we have an entire podcast we can link to that was on women in ministry, mm-hmm. which I thought you and I had an extremely good conversation about. Uh, what trad wives are promoting is more, not so much women in ministry in the church is, is the conversation as much as uh, they're promoting a more traditional view of submission in the home. And here's how I think most of them, as I understand it, I, 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 you know, as I've dipped into this and listened to them and read about them, I think this is how they would put it forward, that God has designed uh, for there to be order implemented in society uh, in regard to government, the church, the home. Uh, having order implies submission. And to submit simply means acknowledging or recognizing your place within the God-given order of things and to accept the authority that God has instituted. Uh, This idea of submission is not about uh, a blatant disregard of anybody's fundamental rights or a violation of our uh, personhood. I think they'd be the first to say that. Uh, The word submit is not a call to mindless slavery where someone says jump and you have to say how high. It doesn't have anything to do with who's better, smarter, stronger, faster. Um, Submission, they would say, biblically in the family is mutual. At least I, I hope that they would, that the, the healthiest ones would. It's not just my, my goal is to submit to my husband's needs, but it's also the husband submitting to loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. I will admit that I haven't heard that second part as much in trad wife terminology, mm-hmm. as much as my goal is just to submit to him. And I think that is a, a truncated understanding of Ephesians where it, Paul went out of his way, it's, it's a whole ranking of mutual submission, children to parents and wives to husbands and husbands to wives, and then everybody to Christ. Um, but, uh, but it, you know, but to, to play that out, they would embrace a loving servant hearted submitting to hopefully would be a loving servant hearted, caring leader that's charged to have the best interests of the family in mind. Um, and God says to the wife of the family, I'd like that leader to be your husband. Not because you can't lead or you're inferior or I love you less, but it needs to be settled. I've made the call. I'm asking him to lead. This is uh, how it's set up, and I'm asking you to accept it and follow. Women and men are equal in God's eyes, uh, but he gives us different roles and different responsibilities. So I think that's how they would think about it, Mm -hmm. Uh, and largely based on passages, as I mentioned, such as Ephesians 6. And many would agree with that view. I I, I just, just, like I I added in there, when, when I teach on this, I always add, or make sure it's understood that this isn't just a woman submitting to a man. It's a man submitting to a woman. And actually the call of the man submitting to the woman is much more robust. Mm-hmm. It's much more rigorous. It's like, okay, my call is to submit unto death that I'm to be so selfless. I'm, a, I'm to be as selfless to her in my submission for what's best for her, the way Christ submitted to the cross for the church. So, um, that's that's pretty significant. And uh, I remember here reading one feminist writer once say, uh, if a man would actually die to himself like that for me, I would gladly submit to it because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not going to want anything other than what's best for me. Right. And um, and, I, and I think that is that is what is the way it's intended to be. You're, you're both tripping all over yourselves to love each other selflessly. And at the same time, you know, uh, I think the tried wife would say, but I am looking for my husband to provide 
leadership for our family. I mean, I'm going to be a part of it. We're going to be in lockstep. But I also know that, you know, at some point, sometimes um, somebody has to make a call on things. And, and I know he's going to try to make it with as much uh, selfless love for me as possible. And so it's not just about his needs. Mm-hmm. It's about your needs. And he's trying to, to, to get that covered. So, yes, I think that I hope that that would be I think that's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. I hope that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. No, I think an ironic detail about the like, quote unquote traditional wife movement is that some trad wives are huge social media influencers. So, like, not a dynamic that was present in the 1950s. Williams, who I mentioned, she has more than 100,000 followers on TikTok. And on that platform, I mean, she shares videos of how she cooks meals from scratch, how she cleans, how she gardens, and kind of so on. And again, all in the 1950s inspired clothing and hairstyles and high heels and the whole thing. What do you think attracts so many people to watching her life? All right, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I want to ask you that question, and, and but it's particularly tricky to ask you that question because I know you are so social media averse and not on it, or if you are on it, you don't want to follow it, or you don't want to tell people you're on it. I mean, you just you just you just wanted that out of your life, and I I get it. Um, and um, and you and I've talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do want to throw it back at you because uh, even if you're just – if it's conjecture on your end, the reason I want to throw it back at you is because it, it's not men who are watching. Hmm. It's primarily women. So let me ask you as a woman, why do you think women are watching this and are following it? I mean, what, what do you – I mean, as a woman, even if you yourself are not, mm-hmm. what would be just based on your own thinking and your re- relations with many women? What do you, what do you think is the attraction here? Hmm. I think I could probably guess a couple of things. I think, like on the most basic level, again, there is while there is a whole spectrum of trad wives. I think the one at least the ones at least who do have a strong social media presence are like Williams, you know, who do embody the whole 1950s character of the mov- movement. And I think that just as, you know, TV programs and ads and magazines kind of glamorized the homemaking roles back in the 1950s, I think the same thing is happening now. I think that, you know, many women are looking at the dresses, the heels, the smiles, the home-cooked meals, and they're thinking, oh, that looks great. Like, I, I could do that. I think that they'd be wise to remember, this is like pure Alexis coming out, that social media never tells the whole truth. And so even if women do have a heart for traditional values, the way in which some trad wives on social media display, you know, what they would call a typical day probably isn't very typical. Um, And I guess I would say closely related to that. I think that part of the attraction is also the fact that our society values uniqueness. And although they're promoting traditional values, they are making a bold statement on a very public platform that goes against kind of the cultural norm of today. And that's going to attract people. And, and I say that kind of in a neutral sense. I mean, positive, positive attraction and negative attraction. And I think watching trad wives on social media is kind of like watching a TV show. Like it's like a step back into time. You're discovering what life was like in a different era. Only it's not a different era. These women are living in the same time zone as the rest of us, or time period, rather. Um, I would also say, this might be off base, but I, I think even more personally, what what could attract someone like me to, to the movement, I think, is that 
Many of the skills that trad wives display on social media, I mean, things like cooking food from scratch and gardening their own herbs and vegetables, sewing outfits, creating these impressive tablescapes and so on. I think they're finally being elevated as true skills and art because now not many young women can do any of those things. And so I think the trad wife online not only looks glamorous and confident, but I think she also looks very talented. And I think that feels like an appeal. I mean, you're learning a whole new skill set to step into that role, which again is a unique skill set, at least in terms of our, you know, kind of modern um, context for women. But if I was going to conjecture, put forth like a deeper idea. I think a lot of young women in particular are attracted to the trad wife movement in response to having been raised in broken homes. Like I think that so many experience kind of firsthand the tragedy of divorce or being raised by a single parent, you know, infidelity in the home and so on, that I think the stability that's displayed in the trad wife home, again, even if it's just a perception, right? I think that stability is incredibly attractive. You know, hearing trad wives, you know, dote on their husbands or or serve their children with joy or, you know, being present for every family event. These are all things that so many young women now would have loved to have had in their own homes growing up. And I think that because they so many didn't, they desperately are attracted to the promise of that, of thinking I could, I could bring that about in my home. Like I would want for my children a childhood that, that I didn't have. So I think those are all things. um, Okay. If I can just say one more thing on this, I think I, I want to point out that while I understand why the social media, you know, platform or the portrayal on social media of the trad wife could be attractive, in my opinion, what attracts people to it is actually what does their message a disservice. And what I mean by that is that I think that so many women are sincerely attracted to the traditional family values, but they need to see them reinvented for the modern era. Like to see that caring for someone's children or honoring their husband or or putting one's, you know, intelligence or creativity at play in the home, um, that all of those things like don't require that you start your morning with an elaborate makeup routine or that you have to grow all of your meals from scratch. Like I think as I mentioned earlier, I think you could be a young modern woman with traditional values and, you know, wear yoga pants and and ask Alexa to keep track of your grocery list and have a meaningful social network and manage the family budget. And I mean, dare I say, even whip up some boxed brownies for dessert. Like, I just think it would be more, more worthwhile for the trad movement to try to weave traditional values into our present culture and elevate the importance of that work in the home rather than what I think it seems to be doing more often, which is bringing modern women back to the 1950s and then trying to put a costume on them to make their work seem more glamorous. Does that make sense? I think that's, I think that's very insightful. And I hadn't thought about the idea of the attraction being also coming from broken homes and, mm-hmm. and that, and also just a, an era where maybe nobody got divorced and, right. and kids could play in the street and, yell out when a car was coming and, you know, and things like that, that just don't exist anymore. I think that, I think that's a, that's a really, really good point. One of the things that you said that I, I've, 
is often, you know, a big part of social media. So it's certainly nothing particularly insightful. It's realized by almost everybody, except apparently the people who are consuming it, is that it, it is fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, uh, I've heard so many different people, and a lot of times, particularly women, uh, will say, I just need to get off Instagram. I just need to get off Facebook. I can't. It messes with me. Yeah. Either it, it, it preys on my insecurities, uh, you know, or I, I, it, 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 I feel, I feel, I feel bad after I've done it. I feel less of myself or I feel envious or I feel jealous or I feel like I want to react maybe to something. It's just not, it's just, it's just not good for me. Hmm. And of course they don't stop to realize <clears throat> that all anybody ever puts on Facebook or all anybody ever puts on Instagram is, is this, is this illusion of perfection. Right. Illusion of the perfect marriage and the perfect kids and the perfect day. And um, one of the things that I, I love about you and I love about uh, uh, my daughters do this is that they're just so real. So much of the stuff that they if they do post or they send, it's 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 OK, here's 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 what my day was like. And it's the kids with hair everywhere and vomit everywhere and, you know, a diaper on the wall. And you know, it's like, you know, and it's and there's something that's refreshing about that because that's the reality. Right. You know, in many ways and being faithful through that. So anyway, thank you. Those were great insights. Great insights. Well, I know you're not going to turn this next one on me, this last question, because it is that I want to hear the male response to the trad wife movement. I haven't read um, much about that. Like the trad wife movement is being, you know, carried by women. So I'm curious, do you have any insight in terms of the, the male response or if you think this is going to grow? I think any man who came home and found his wife dressed as a 1950s woman with that would uh, be a little unnerved. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or I, either that, or I want to joke and say, there doesn't need to be any research. This is every man's dream. I don't know which way is the best way to say it tongue in cheek, but obviously that's not true so far though. I haven't seen a male backlash into this and not many women are dressing up. They may be going trad white, but they're not going full cosplay kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, there have been critiques from women. Uh, and, uh, and again, as you mentioned with many women being attracted to it for various reasons, but I think there's a larger cultural issue here. And that, and, and, and again, this is, uh, it is one of the most significant cultural issues of our day. And it is confusion, confusion among men, confusion among women today about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Just confused. This is bigger than, uh, you know, trans stuff. This is confusion about masculinity and femininity. We've talked about this as we've talked about gender, uh, on this podcast, we've talked about toxic masculinity. We've talked about various other things, women in ministry. I think the Bible gives some very clear teaching on what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and what it means for men and women to be in a healthy, functional relationship with each other as friends, as um, husband and wives, as fathers and daughters and brothers and sisters. And uh, I think, but I, I think that because of the confusion, you have toxic stuff coming out like toxic masculinity, and then on one side, maybe with men, and then on the other side with women, swinging all the way back to the 1950s mm-hmm. in terms of hair and dress and others wanting, and then others wanting to embrace a, a radical feminism as if there's no distinctions between the sexes at all, and even going further with the trans issue and gender issues as if gender is all just a plastic construct. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's confusion, and just deep confusion. So I think a lot of these things that we're seeing are people searching for what uh, a way to to finally say, okay, this is what it means to be my sex, 
or searching for something that brings sanity or clarity to what it means to be a man or a woman. The truth is that when God created us, he created us to be a race of men and a race of women. He intentionally created that diversity, and then he brought us together to be husband and wife and fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. And what I see happening in culture are people desperately trying to discover their sexual identity on any number of fronts. And sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's very, very destructive. Uh, but since we were made, male and female, in the image of God, we're, we are going to be restless and we're going to be unmoored until we find some sense of true north as to what it means to be male and what it means to be female. Hmm. Well, thank you. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say thank you. I, mean, I feel like you put me on the hot seat quite a bit today, but um, yeah, I'm just appreciative of this conversation and I'm, I, I hope a lot of our um, listeners gain value for it. I know this is, this is an interesting one to reflect on for myself. So guys, thanks for giving me that opportunity. Next week, I will certainly choose a topic that you alone can answer, but you'll have to figure out what that's going to be by tuning in again next week. So I hope you guys do.